guys, good morning, good morning, good morning. We are going to get started here. Uh, jump in the message pretty soon, but uh, a couple things. First, uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. Thanks for coming this morning. Worship was incredible. Thank you guys for just hungering for the presence of God. It's just so sweet to be in God's presence together. It's awesome. Also, anybody notice, notice a little bit of a change of a couple things we did in here? <laughs> Thanks, right? Great. Made a, me and Larry made, and Joey, wherever, if Joey's here, made some a little more space. We added a few chairs here, changed up the stage a little bit. But we're going to get used to this. This is our new little, little living room here as a church family. So we're excited about that. Um, but hey, a couple summer-related things and different things happening uh, that are going to be new and different. First thing is, I think we have a slide for this, but next Sunday... We're going to uh, do our first ever, what we're going to call Offering Sunday, and uh, we're going to do this once a month, and all it is, what we're doing is it's a, it's a one designated Sunday a month where we come prepared with some sort of gift, we, share, we come prepared to share a specific prayer need or request, and then also it's going to be a time of taking communion together. And the reason we're doing this is because, I mean, it's just so valuable to have different rhythms in our uh, kind of scheduled together where we are intentionally focusing in on specific biblical values and even sacraments and things that the Lord commanded us to do. One of those great examples is um, is, is communion. And so we're going to be doing that to, together. So all that means is just be thinking about, okay, the Lord has offered so much for us and given us. And so be thinking about the cross. And then on Sunday morning, we're going to take communion together. So it'll be an intentional time to reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross. Uh, but then also think about, okay, he, we love him because he first loved us. He poured out everything for us. Lord, is there anything you want me to give back to you? Obviously, we make space for that every Sunday, but we're going to start doing that once a month just to kind of bring us in a little bit more to some more prayerful, worshipful experience of really thinking about the different commands of Scripture. So there's going to be little cards on your chair when you walk in, space for you to write out a couple things, especially if there's something specific that you need prayer for. So that's happening next week. Everybody say, Offering Sunday. All right, another thing that is going to be starting in a couple weeks is for the guys in the room, but I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but uh, I'm going to do uh, about a 10 to 12-week thing called Summer on Fire. It's a little summer-long uh, discipleship intensive for men. We're going to be meeting on uh, Sunday mornings at 7.30 for breakfast and time of prayer, worship, uh, sometimes teaching, and sometimes a workout. Uh, and uh, I don't know how many will do, but at least one. And... Uh, Anyways, the whole premise of this is wanting to get together. I'm wanting to spend some extra time with whoever, how many guys in this church want to be a part of it, uh, just to, to stoke the fire inside of us and let this be a summer where we increase in the hunger and the passion, the joy of following Jesus, and not a summer where we wane off a little bit. And so we're going to be committing to different spiritual disciplines throughout the week and then gathering, like I said, on Sunday. So guys, sign up for that. You've got two more weeks. Um, even if you're going to be in and out of town, you're still welcome to come whenever you're in town. Is that summer on fire? And then last but not least, uh, that's about this morning and what we are starting. Uh, we are doing, y'all have heard us say this over and over again, but we're starting a new series called Summer in the Psalms. Everybody say Summer in the Psalms. And uh, there is a reading plan going through the Psalms. Um, if you don't have one of those, you can grab one out in the foyer before you leave. Reading through all the Psalms this summer, it's about two a day. Um, but today we are starting a series titled Summer in the Psalms. And very excited about it. Just there's going to be different communicators that are going to be sharing a specific psalm, sharing some insight about what they learned. And uh, before the end of the summer, there's going to be 11 different 
members and leaders within our church you're going to get to hear from. And I'm not preaching a single one of them. So I'm excited about that. Also really excited to, in a sense, I'll say it this way, share the wealth that's already inside this room and in this church, uh, people that are committed to Jesus, walking in humility, and just God teaches them things through his word. And it's a great opportunity for us to receive as well. Um, from those that um, that are going to be sharing. So anyways, I'm excited for it. And first up with Psalm 1 is the one and only Lindsey Gore. So give it up for Lindsey Gore this morning. <laughs> Don't worry. They're not that scary. All right. In just a minute, I'll pray over Lindsey. I think this is your first message you've ever given, right? All right. So, hey, here's the deal. <laughs> Listen, y'all shout her down this morning, all right? Give her some loud amens. Uh, but yeah, I'd be encouraging to her. And uh, Psalms is such an incredible book. Didn't you just finish something with your seminary class? Uh, I did a 10-page research paper on the Psalms. Hey, so that's fresh. She's taking a few seminary classes, and so I'm excited for her to share this morning. And, and um, so anyways, y'all agree with me? I'm going to pray over Lindsay, and then she'll jump right in. Lord, we thank you so much for Lindsay, uh, the friend that she is to so many of us, the encourager that she is. And Lord, we just pray that your spirit would anoint her so strongly this morning. There would be a joy, there would be a strength, there would be uh, even a, a powerful simplicity to the things she's sharing. And Lord, open our hearts up. We want to receive whatever you are saying through Lindsay. God, this is not just about her giving a sermon. This is about us looking at your word together, receiving what you have to say to us by your spirit. And Lord, I pray that, that today would lead to lasting fruit in all of our lives. Lord, reveal yourself to us through Psalm 1 and speak through Lindsay today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, all right, give it up for Lindsay one more time. Here we go. Woo! Oh my gosh, I love this room, y'all. I feel so excited. When I was asking God if I should do this, I felt like he said, what better place to try than with your family? And so I'm just thankful that you guys are my family. You really, really are. And, yeah, I'm Lindsay. I work here at the church part-time as the media director, and I love it. And then the other part of the time, I do just freelance graphic design stuff, and it's also wonderful. Um, I am 24 years old, and I just want you to know that I'm in my character development era right now, and I'm learning a lot, but I'm being shaped by it, okay? But I want you to know how young I am, okay, at the front end, all right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm in the young adult zone, and I live with three amazing roommates, and y'all just pro tip, if you are not praying for good roommates right now, especially college people that are still here, do it. Like seriously, pray for roommates that will like sharpen you and walk with you and encourage you. It is the biggest blessing ever. I did that a few years ago, and God blessed me with some really amazing people that have sharpened me a lot. I mean, we laugh a lot, we prank people, and we cry a lot, and it's so good, y'all. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a little bit about my life. Um, so I'm really excited to be here and speak to you guys about the Psalms. Like Mitchell said, I'm doing some seminary classes, so, you know, that doesn't mean much right now because I'm only three semesters in, but I do love the Psalms, and I just studied it a lot, and... I'm just really excited to kick this series off with Psalm 1, y'all. Psalm 1, woo! It's a good one, okay? If you're going to open a book of the Bible with a psalm, I'm glad it's this one, okay? 
Uh, <laughs> and seriously, like, there's something about the Psalms that is so powerful to me. It's just like these really, really passionate songs of praise and God, you're amazing. And also these like really honest heart cries of like, God, where are you? Like some of the stuff David says in there is kind of out of pocket. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I'm just like, dang, he said that. But it's like helpful because it makes me feel validated. It makes me feel like freedom to be like, God, I'm feeling hard things right now. Like, is there space for that in this with you? And there is. Like, he is so personable. He's so real. And so the Psalms are an amazing place to start if you just, like, want to connect with the Father's heart. So I'm going to read it for us first to kick things off, and then we're going to dive in a little bit deeper. So this is Psalm 1, if you want to turn there, but also it's on the screen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I'm going to pray for us before we jump in. Jesus, thank you that you have revealed yourself through your word. Thank you that you're revealing yourself this morning. God, I just pray, whatever you are speaking to every person in this room, would you just give us ears to hear you, God? Like, we, we don't want to just, like, hear something that's entertaining or just, like, fun we, or exciting. God, we want you. We want the real thing. And so, Jesus, would you just open up our hearts afresh to hear your voice? Father God, we just want more of you this morning. So would you come and would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, y'all. There are a few things that I felt like I was seeing in this psalm, and also it's just kind of connected to this revelation, I guess is the word, that I've just been kind of mulling around in my brain. Uh, I, I'm more of a thinker. Uh, I like to contemplate and, and wonder about God, and this is something that I is like kind of been rolling around for a while, and um, I just it feels really evident from this psalm. But um, I'm going to put up some questions on the screen that are particularly from this psalm. And they're just, like, kind of probing questions I want us to just, like, consider as we go through this together. But one being, how do we define good and bad? What is our worldview shaped by? And how do we position ourselves to be shaped by God? That first question is the one that has been really uh, stirring me up lately. <laughs> uh, it's just how do we define good and bad? And I think a really good place to start is in Genesis if you know me, you know I love Genesis. <laughs> I'm always going to go back there um, because it's the first place that God calls things good and calls things bad. And so if you want to go to Genesis 3, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. But Genesis 3 is the fall narrative. It's where we meet Adam and Eve, and they're placed in this garden, and they're surrounded by trees. And God says, you can eat from every tree except this one tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the snake comes and says, yo, Eve. <laughs> do whatever you want anyways, and so she does, <laughs> but I'm going to read <laughs> Genesis 3, 6, that was my uh, paraphrase, I hope you liked it, uh, <laughs> we're going to read it though, <laughs> Genesis 3, verse 6 says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate, 
And I think it's just interesting, like, how Eve saw the fruit. And so she said it was good for food. It had a good quality about it. It, like, served the purpose that it was supposed to. It was delightful to the eyes. It was attractive. It looked beautiful. And it was desired to make one wise. It could make you knowledgeable. And I think all of those things are, like, not bad. <laughs> like, I think they're pretty morally neutral, like, just objectively speaking. I mean, you see in the Proverbs all the time. It's like, you should desire wisdom. You should desire knowledge. Like, the Bible has plenty of good things to say about all of those things. And so I think the point here is that Eve didn't trust God. She didn't believe what he said was good. And so I think that is the place where I want us to land is like, do we trust what God says is good or do we define it for ourselves? And y'all, I'm going to be honest, I relate to Eve a little bit, okay, especially before I started following Jesus. Like, I, without even realizing it, subconsciously walked through my life defining good and evil for myself. And every day, small decisions. I mean, I just did what I thought was good. And I didn't do it, like, maliciously, but I really did make a lot of selfish decisions that had effects on other people. And so I want to share a little bit of my testimony because I think it's going to wrap into this a little bit. But growing up, I like grew up in church, but I was made to go <laughs> to church. And so my experience was not submitting my will to God, but being like, okay, I think I'm buying into this ideology. That's fine. Until I didn't. <laughs> and I also was bullied quite a bit growing up. And my I started seeing a counselor when I was in high school, and she called me a mean girl magnet. And I said, thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was a compliment or not, but it, hel- it ha- made me feel better in the moment. Um, <laughs> but I had a lot of just hard, like I, I had a hard time making friends and I didn't have a whole lot of healthy friendships and often they did not speak life over me. And so it made me super insecure and I had very low self-worth. And so to compensate, I threw myself into school. Like I wanted to be the smart girl. Cause I was like, if I can't be cool, I'll just be smart. <laughs> and that kind of worked, I guess. But I did all the advanced placement classes. I was like top of my class. I competed in gymnastics, got injured, had to quit gymnastics. You know what I did? More school, extracurricular school. <laughs> I, uh, I did competitive academics, y'all. I took tests outside of school. <laughs> Tima was there, actually. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Tima and I went to the same high school. And Parky. <laughs> but yeah, we, we competed together. It was great. Uh, I was on the accounting team. It was fine. Um, Anyways, all of that got me into the engineering honors program at Texas A&M. And I was like, yeah, I did that. Um, But y'all, underneath the surface of like high achievement was a lot of struggle. I was really struggling mentally, emotionally. Um, I would say that I got to a point where I was really crippled by anxiety and depression. Really, it it looked a lot like panic attacks, suicidal ideation, especially right before I went to college. And it was was really bad. And to cope, I drank a lot of alcohol (laughs) all the time. And I snuck around, did that whole thing. And it gave me mild relief momentarily, but it did not last. And it often created more stress on the other side for the consequences that followed. And so, but it was really all I knew how to do at the time, and I was just trying to treat a wound that was really, really deep. And so, um, 
my mom signed me up for this Christian freshman orientation camp on my way into Texas A&M. I did not want to go. <laughs> I had a panic attack on the bus on the way there, and that was so embarrassing. Um, and I just remember I was, I was really at rock bottom, honestly. And so I basically gave up during worship. Like, I, they just kept saying, God wants your life. And I was like, God, if you want my life, you can have it because I don't want it anymore. And it wasn't this, like, faith-filled prayer. It was like, I am giving up. I am done. And he met me there, y'all. Like, he met me in that place. And I remember in that moment, I felt, like, a legitimate weight lifted off my shoulders. It was, like, a physical weight. I was like, whoa, I feel good. <laughs> Better than I have in a long time. And I just felt relief. Like, and I felt loved. And I felt joy. It was crazy. And I... <laughs> Like, I just, I was just so full of faith in that moment. I, I must have really been at a low place because just, like, unprompted, I just, like, walked up to my small group leader, and I was like, hey, here's all my sin. And I just confessed everything I had ever done. And she's like, I just met you. And I was like, yep. <laughs> I was desperate, y'all. I, like, wanted to be free. And it was amazing. And after that, I didn't, like, have a whole lot of people in my life that taught me how to follow God. Um, until I did. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I met some people, got plugged into this church called Antioch, and <laughs> it was amazing, y'all. I just started to be in discipleship. I started to go to life group, and I had these friends and people around me, a lot of them in this room. I can't look at you. I'm going to cry. Um, <laughs> that just, like, taught me how to follow God, like, spoke life and truth into me, helped me, like, walk through these really hard wounds, and I, like, got healing from God, and I didn't need to cope anymore. Like, I got relief that lasted. I actually got completely healed of anxiety and depression, which was crazy. Um, yeah, that's a story for another time, <laughs> but yeah, God can do that. I didn't even know he could do that. I was like, what? This is my real life? Great. Um, and so, kind of in the midst of, like, following God, learning to walk with him, getting rid of all these, like, lies and things, I'm just becoming more and more disenchanted with academics because that was where my identity was mostly placed, I would say, at that point. And so sophomore year of college, um, we go on this uh, mission trip over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and kind of the, the structure of this spring break mission trip is we have teaching in the morning, we go and do outreach, and then we have teachings at night. And I'm at this teaching in the morning, <laughs> and the, the guy talking is talking just about surrender, just laying your life down for Jesus, and I just remember at the end of this, I felt this, like, little whisper, this little prompting from God, and it was like, hey, Lindsay, do you trust me? And I was like, yes, God, I trust you, and then he was like, okay, do you trust me with academics? And I was like, yeah, God, I trust you, and then he was like, okay, what if you changed your major? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was like gut-wrenching, y'all. I was on the floor, tears. People were like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't think so. Um, but it, like deep down, like I wanted to do it. Like I knew I had to do it. It wasn't like God was like, you know, forcing me, but it was like this invitation into more of him. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so I got back to Texas a and I'm like, hey, I'm changing to communications. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't know. And so I did that. And it, I didn't think about that all too much, honestly. But so many amazing things happened after that, you guys. My whole future, like, I had planned out. I was like, I'm going to do nuclear security. I'm going to live in Austria. I'm going to get into all these closed-door countries and share the gospel. And God was like, that's a cool idea, but that's not what I'm asking you to do. And I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> thought I was so creative. Um, and so then... 
I just, all of that blew up, and I was like, no, I guess I don't know what I'm doing with my life now. Sick. And so then Mitchell gets on a stage during, he's my college pastor at this point. He gets on a stage during a life group leader training, and he's like, and anyways, I'm moving to Arkansas. And I just immediately heard this, like, go. He didn't say it like that, just so you know. <laughs> it, was, it was more than that. But that's how I heard it uh, for the sake of this message. Um, I heard go in my brain, and I was like, hmm, maybe I'm just being weird. And so then I moved on. And then, like, a bunch of my closest friends were like, by the way, I'm going. And I was like, what? And then one of my friends was like, hey, Lindsay, you should go. And I was like, oh, man, God also told me that. <laughs> and so, you know, I fasted, I prayed, but I was like, okay, bad, I'm going. And so, you know, we start, we start praying, and we start getting prepared, and I'm like, sick, I'll figure it out when I get there, as far as my future goes. And um, <laughs> in the midst of all that, I get, I have a, a family friend reach out to me, and he's like, hey, we're, we're looking to hire some Aggies, like, thought of you, you should come interview. And I'm like, okay, why not? So I go to, so this job is in Fort Worth, where I'm from. My family lives there. It's in the building that my mom used to work in, downtown Fort Worth, that I love. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I go to this job interview. And it's a family friend, they're believers. I feel like, man, I would probably do really good at this job. Like, it seems really good. And so, and the pay is also really good. <laughs> and also, there's an Antioch church in Fort Worth that I love. Shout out Jamie Miller, I love that guy. Um, <laughs> and so, seriously, there's like, it, it would be good. I was like, dang it, what do I do? Like, I was such, I was so torn in that moment. And so, I'm like, okay, God, well, you're gonna have to tell me because I don't know what to do anymore. And I remember there was this um, ADS open house in College Station, and so I went to it knowing I was gonna do ADS here. Well, I guess I didn't in that moment, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and during the like worship set, I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what to do, and I'm like stressed about it. And so he just, so, God is so kind, y'all. He's so gentle, like he's such a good dad. He just goes, hey, Lindsay, if you go take this job, I'll be with you. I will bless you, and it will be good. But you will be building your 401k, your career, your kingdom. But if you come with me to Arkansas, you're going to help me build mine. And y'all, I was like on the floor crying, snot everywhere. It was not cute. I was having a moment. But it was just so sweet of God. I was like, yep, I'm going. And I, it was hard because I just knew, like, if I go church plant, I'm guaranteed hardship. Like, it's not going to be easy. But I could have this, like, cool, cushy life, you know, if I go home. And it just in that moment, I knew there's just, like, no cost that he's not worth. And so I said, full send, let's do it. <laughs> and I moved here. And I was right, you guys. It was really hard. <laughs> it was really, really hard to be 21, graduating college, trying to figure it out. I was, like, kind of homeless when I moved here. Like, I just slept on Kirsten and Maggie and Anna's couch. Shout out. <laughs> and uh, it was great, and I got a job. But then COVID hit, and it was like a weird time to be a young adult, like trying to figure out how to be not under your parents' care. Like, but And then like a pandemic hits, and you're like, wait, what? It's so weird. And I, I was like lonely sometimes, and it was painful. And But guys, oh, I'm going to try not to cry. There, <laughs> thanks. There were, there were so many prayer meetings in Mitchell's house that when we were in College Station preparing for this that I remember praying and just seeing these like nameless, faceless people that I was praying for and I like started to love but didn't know 
and it's really, really weird to like be here looking at you because I prayed for you before I knew you and this is so much sweeter and so much better than I could have ever imagined and I'm just so grateful because this living in Northwest Arkansas coming here was the don't cry I can't look at you (laughs) it was the biggest unexpected blessing of my life like I could have never encountered God met with him met some of my greatest friends like I can't imagine what my life would have been like, but I could have never imagined this, you know? It was like the kindness of God that he was leading me on this adventure to a place I didn't know, and he met me there. And yeah, it was hard, but he shaped me in it, and it was beautiful. And so I think, I put in my notes, apologize for crying, because I probably will, but I held it down, so I'm really proud of myself. (laughs) But I think this is like a little bit of a picture of what Psalm 1 is about. There were plenty of good or morally neutral things I said no to, that I sacrificed and laid down, but I was trying to get what God said was good, and and I think there's something really sweet that we can glean from that when we say, God, I don't even want my own version. I just want what you have for me. So with that being said, (laughs) thank you for letting me tell you about my life a little bit. Um, We're going to jump into Psalm, and we're going to go line by line and just see what it says. Y'all ready for that? All right, cool. All right, Psalm 1, verse 1. It'll be on the screen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. It's kind of helpful that he starts with what it's not, you know? (laughs) Like he uses a lot of antithetical words to say, hey, this isn't what it is. And also this word blessed, it's kind of got a connotation of like more so happiness, like what is a joyful life? What is the man who's like living the good life? What does he look like? Well, it's not the person who is in the counsel of the wicked, who's, who's he- which I think refers to the way we think, the way that we, who we take advice from, like how are we informed? Like if we, the, the blessed man doesn't take advice from the wicked. And then the way of sinners, I think, is referring to the way that we behave, how we act, and if we choose sin. And the seed of scoffers, I think, is referring to where we belong in society and the attitudes we adopt. So, like, are we belonging to people that mock God? Are we belonging to places that reject God? And so I have a little slide up here that kind of recaps that. But really... The happy man is the one who doesn't think like the wicked, doesn't behave like those who sin, and doesn't belong to groups that scoff or reject God. Right? We getting that? All right, cool. I'm going to move on. So if you want to take a picture of that, you can leave it up for a second, Anna. So verse 2 takes a little turn. This is what the blessed man, the man living the good life, does look like says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Woo! That's good. That word law is Torah, which really just means instruction, and I think can refer to the whole scripture. And I looked this up, and I was like, this is so helpful why I've never heard this before, but that word Torah, the, the like Hebrew connotation, I'll read it, it says, in the sense of stretching out a finger or the hand to point out a root. So can you imagine like the father God being like, hey, 
that's what you do. <laughs> like, or go this way, you know? Like, he's a good dad. Like, he doesn't want to leave us in the dark. He's not going to not tell us how to behave or how to act. Like, he's showing us. He's like, hey, you want to live a prosperous life? That way, <laughs> you know? Like, he's a good dad. Kind of makes you want to meditate day and night. Hmm. <laughs> so that word meditate, it's not just read. It's like deeply consider, ponder, sit on work through, wrestle through, struggle with sometimes, you know? It's, it's more than just, like, reading through it. And, and I think there's, like, an invitation of, like, I think we should all be spending time with God every single day. Once I started doing that, it changed my life for real, you guys. But I think there's even an invitation of, like, what if when you're driving to work, you're, you're just wrestling through stuff? Because I've read the Bible, and I've left being like, I don't think I really get it. <laughs> I don't think I understand what that meant. And it's like kind of a puzzle. Like I get to work through it and ponder it and deeply think about it for on my way to work, on a walk, on the greenway, outside the church, uh, whatever. I w- and even memorizing it, reading it over and over, studying it, searching it out, being curious. I think that is something where, you know, our generation, my generation, I'm Gen Z, <laughs> we are really accustomed to like a lot of fast-paced data and information all the time. And I and I think sometimes we're so used to that that thinking something slowly, going over it over and over, it feels kind of unnatural to me if I'm being honest. But I think that might be the invitation, at least from this passage. What would it look like if we really meditated on Scripture? Verse three says, "He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither." And all that he does, he prospers. I don't think it's an accident that that tree sounds a lot like the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Just saying. (laughs) Actually, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation, translates it as a tree in the Garden of Eden in this verse. And y'all, it says, I, I think this is saying a person that meditates on scripture day and night is like someone in God's creation in its perfect state. It's not corrupted by sin and death. The leaf doesn't die. Like, what? So if we want to, like, be going back to this Garden of Eden place, going back to where Jesus has really invited us to, like, come on, let's, let's meditate on his word. Let's, like, love him. Let's sit under a tree and, and encounter him and meditate on him. I think that's where we find that. So I'm going to go to verse 4. Big, uh, big hinge verse here also. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And I don't know what chaff is, you guys. I had to look it up. (laughs) But this is what I found, and I thought it was really helpful. Chaff is the ultimate depiction of what is rootless, weightless, and useless. The image is that of winnowing in which the threshed corn is tossed up for the husks and the fragments of straw to blow away, leaving behind only the grain. It has no lasting substance or satisfaction and no place in God's kingdom. Yeah, sheesh, right? (laughs) I think that's, to me that feels familiar. Like that feels like, oh yeah, that is what the world is kind of like, huh? <laughs> like the people that have riches, that have fame, that have like what we might deem as generally good, why do they seem so unhappy and unsatisfied? 
or at least the happiness is fleeting. Interesting. It's like the Bible is true. (laughs) So verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And that closes it out, y'all. But that word know is more than just to be informed. It includes to care about, to own, and identify oneself with. God cares. (laughs) God cares. And he he identifies himself with those that want to be obedient to him. So, yeah, I think that that is such a clear picture of of God's kingdom. It's the ones that love him, that seek him. Like, you're going to experience the natural joy that comes from being around the most perfect being in the universe. Like, it's, it just overflows out of his nature. But if you reject him and run from him, you're not going to experience fulfillment and satisfaction in life. And it's not, I don't think, because... God wishes pain, but I think it's because if you distance yourself from the emanator of good, you're not going to get it, you know? So all that being said, I'm going to invite the band back up as I close it out here. But y'all, it doesn't say that the blessed is the man who's got his stuff together, has his future figured out, and has plenty of money, and is well-respected. That, that ain't it. That's not what it says. <laughs> paints this portrait of somebody who just delights to be in the presence of the Father and wants to know him, that hungers to know him, and, like, won't be stopped by the temptation of the world. And practically speaking, I think this is a huge invitation for us to be people soaked in the word of God. Like, like what if we, like, got in the word, like, every day? Like, what if we meditated on it day and night, y'all? Like, what would that, how would that affect us? How would it change us? I think this Bible reading plan is a really great start. If you've never done that before and you feel intimidated by reading the Bible, like start with the Psalms. It's a really, really easy, accessible place because you'll see, I think you see a lot of yourself in it a lot of times. You're like, man, I've been mad at God like that, but I've been embarrassed to say it, (laughs) you know? And it gives you this access, this intimacy with God. And also if if you feel like, man, I've tried to read the Bible and I feel confused by it, Y'all, I tried to read the Bible so many times, got to Leviticus, and I was like, "Mm, I'm done, bye. (laughs) Like, it was confusing to me. But then I was like, wait, if this is the word of God, like, if this is my Abba Father that I, like, want to know and love, like, I want to put the work in. Like, I want to know him. And so sometimes it, like, takes a little bit of wrestling. But if you pray, Jesus, would you please teach me how to know you? Would you please give me understanding? Would you please make me hungry for your word? I don't think he's going to say no. <laughs> like, like I think he really wants you to know him. I think he wants you to understand. And so just if you feel kind of like in that vulnerable place of like, I'm trying, but it's not working, just pray and ask because I think he will show up bigger than you think he will. And I also think that maybe there's this invitation to reevaluate what we define as good or blessed or successful. That one feels tricky. I'm going to poke some of y'all right now. It might even be like morally neutral, good things. But is it surrendered to God? Like, is it under his lordship? I think that maybe there's a place to come and ask again. And I'm not telling you to have like a mid or quarter life crisis right now, but just like, just invite him in, you know? Because he might say, no, 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 I want you to do this, but I just want to give you fresh perspective. And so circling back to those, those main points, those first three questions, How do we define good and bad? What do we think? 
How do we act? What attitudes do we hold? Where do we position ourselves in the world? And what is our worldview shaped by? Is it the world's advice or is it God's instruction? It's like what information and thoughts and perspectives are we putting in constantly? And are they good and are they God? And then how do we position ourselves to be shaped by God? Y'all, this is like a place where I was reading this book for school and it, it got me so good. <laughs> Because it was basically saying, like, what are your subconscious habits that you don't even know about, and are they unto God? Like, like I'm talking muscle memory stuff you do every morning. Like, how can you, like, position those things before him as well? What rhythms do we have? What are we pursuing? And are we humble to let God come and, and change us and change our minds? And so I'm going to put some questions on the screen and they're kind of long, so if you need to take a picture, do that. It might be good to even ask them in time with God tomorrow, but I just want us to take a moment and just be really surrendered and submitted to what God says is good, and just reevaluate with him, because you might need that. <laughs> we all, I think we all need it, every once in a while at least. Um, so I'm going to read these, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then I think there's going to be some prayer people. If you just, like, have something in your heart that you feel like God is, like, hey, what about this? Like, maybe it's school. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's a dream that you have, and he's, like, hey, I want to speak. I want to do something, or I I actually want you to lay this down. I just want to create space, if that's you, that you have room to do that before God today. So these questions are, I want you guys to ask God, is there anything I'm defining as good or measuring my success by that you don't say is good? And God, is there anything I'm holding on to that I need to release control of? Y'all, that one will mess you up if you're real about it. (laughs) And if God brought something up and you don't want to release control of it, ask him, what am I afraid will happen if I give this to you and why? Yeah. (laughs) And what do you say will happen if I do release control? And I think there's just room that God is going to speak and maybe reprioritize some stuff in our hearts this morning. So I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, just thank you that there is no better life than one submitted to you, that you have shown us the path that is to your heart, God, and and you're such a good dad. You make it so clear. You're not confusing, and you have invited us. You've given us your word, and you've given us your church, and so I just say thank you, Jesus, that you've made yourself accessible to us, and God, I just ask this morning if there is anything that we are holding on to that is not of you, would we be humble and willing to lay it at your feet, Jesus? And if there's anything that we just need you to reframe or give words to, God, I just pray that you would do it in this moment. Jesus, I just say thank you (laughs) that you're lifting weights in this room right now and that you're moving. And so, God, would you come and would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen.